Hey, and welcome to the short stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck, just Josh and Chuck. No, Jerry. It's short stuff. Go. New York Times crossword puzzle stumps Americans. <laughs> Ooh, that was a good one. Mid-Atlantic <laughs> accent is what they call that. Yeah, we're talking about the New York Times daily crossword, uh, a crossword puzzle I have never attempted to do hmm. in my life. Uh, but it is a part of um, the fabric of America. And there's a great documentary that I have not seen yet that I want to see about this. I think oh, it's about dude, all it's crosswords. So oh, it's good. Yeah, I want to see that. It's called Wordplay. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, see? John Stewart's in it. <laughs> He's a crossword fanatic. Did you know that? Yeah. A lot of people uh, I know are crossword fanatics. Uh, Ken Jennings, of course, as you would imagine, is quite good at the New York Times crossword. A little on the nose, if you ask me. Yeah, what is that guy not good at? Right. Um, podcasting, he's good at that. He's good at everything. Good at talking to strangers the time that I met him. Sure. Uh, anyway, so one of the people who's in that documentary, Chuck, is Will Shorts. And Will Shorts has kind of become a legendary figure in the crossword community and even beyond, frankly, because he is just a straight-up interesting, neat, kind of— um, I want to say comforting. It doesn't feel like the right word. And when I'm describing a crossword puzzle editor, I feel like I should have exactly the right word. But comforting still works. He's just a cool dude. But he is the current editor of the New York Times crossword puzzle. And he has basically taken it and catapulted it into international fame. It's like the crossword puzzle, thanks in large part to his efforts. Yeah, if you want to go back in time, though, it's pretty interesting uh, in that the New York Times was the very last major daily metropolitan newspaper in the United States to start a crossword puzzle. They were really popular all over the country uh, starting in about 1924. And the New York Times even came out and was like, you know what? Here's a quote for you. The latest of the problems presented for solution by psychologists interested in the mental peculiarities of mobs and crowds. That's what a crossword is going to do for you. No, no idea what they meant by that one. Well, they were just saying it's sort of base uh, entertainment and knowledge, I think. I'm going to have to go back and reread it. That's fine. But I'll take it. I'll take it on its face. You know what I'm reminded of now when I think of crossword puzzles is Rupert Sheldrake's theory that Crossword puzzles get easier to solve as the day goes on because of everybody's collective consciousness. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. <laughs> so it is pretty surprising that the New York Times poo-pooed crosswords as fooey for 20 years easily, about uh, almost 20 years, um, maybe 15. So that crossword craze starts in 1924. The New York Times didn't finally publish one until the beginning of World War I. No, I think it was probably World War II. What did I say? You said World War I. <laughs> yeah. So the New York Times went back in time mm -hmm. to beat everybody. So sorry, it was World War II when they adopted it. So about 15 years after the craze started, they held out. And then finally, as the legend goes, the Times editor, Arthur Sulzberger, um, he, he was tired of buying the New York Herald, or no, the Herald Tribune, so that he could play their crossword puzzle or do their crossword puzzle. He wanted the Times to have its own, and he finally said, fine, we'll publish a crossword. Yeah, I get the feeling his name, his nickname was Sulzy. <laughs> yeah. Arthur Sulzy Sulzberger. Yeah. Uh, it's the beginning of World War II, and basically the thought was, besides the fact that he wanted one, is that, you know, all we're doing is talking about World War II. 
maybe a crossword puzzle is finally a good idea to kind of get people's mind off of things. So you over there, Miss uh, Margaret Farrar, why don't you be our very first crossword editor? Because uh, you have been editing all these books, uh, crossword books that Simon & Schuster has been putting out since 1924. Right. And to get everybody's minds off of it, by the way, make sure that the crossword puzzle answers and clues have to do with the news that are in that day's newspaper, right. which all happened to be about the war and the lead up to war. And so Farrar was like, all right, you know what? I'm a crossword legend already. I'm going to, I'm going to make this one right. And she really did. She had like really, really great crosswords that she edited um, and she pushed back, I think, fairly quickly on that idea that it needed to reflect the day's news and said, you know what, I think it needs to do the opposite of that. I think we need to um, get references from literature, from popular culture, from um, just about everything but the day's news so that people can use the crossword as an escape and managed to establish the New York Times crossword as basically the preeminent crossword in the world. Yeah, and she did uh, She did this for 27 years from 42 to 69, yeah. which is a very long run. Summer of love. And that's right. And it was a big, big hit, like you said. And then in 1969, uh, Mr. Will Wang uh, succeeded her. And he, I think, was the head at the Metropolitan Desk at the Times. Then he took over as crossword editor. He was a little bit more of a of an old-fashioned newsy type, uh, but he did love crosswords. And he had been writing these crosswords for a long time for the Times. And they finally said, bring your great sense of humor over here and become the editor. Yeah, he was apparently like the, the Times crosswords were never funnier than when Will Wang was editor. Lots of pants dropping jokes. It's just super 70s stuff, you know? Ziggy made an appearance almost every day. <laughs> and nothing's funnier than Ziggy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... um, Will Wang kind of had this, uh, the, the paper under, or the crossword under his wing for seven years, I think. I under correct. his wing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even mean to do that. That's a great example. So seven, eight years, he was the editor of the crossword. Um, and then he was succeeded by a guy named Eugene T. Maleska. And if there's ever been a crossword editor who deserved a cliffhanger more than Eugene T. Maleska, I've never met one. We'll be right back. Right, Chuck. So how does it how does it end with Eugene T. Maleska? So Gene Maleska is running the show now, mm -hmm. and uh, the puzzles become a little more varied, a little more sophisticated, uh, more wordplay, but not as much of a sense of humor. Uh, I get the sense from when Wang was doing it. Yeah, he was a school superintendent in the Bronx. Not he that funny. Into, nah, he was into opera, classical music. Not that funny. And it was just a little more serious in tone than Wang's were. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is say opera and classical music enthusiast editing a crossword puzzle. And that's, you know, polar opposite of, of Wang. Yeah. 
So Eugene T. Molesky does a fine job. He did it for many, many years from um, 1977 until I think 1993. And um, uh, then Will Shorts comes along. And from everything I can tell after reading this and seeing Will Shorts in that documentary wordplay, he's a like a perfect combination of every previous New York Times crossword editor that came before him. Yeah. Like, he's all of them rolled into one. He's, you know, very sophisticated. Um, he has a lot of culture, like uh, Maleska. He's got a sense of humor, like Wang. He's um, really into crosswords and knows how to make them great, like Farrar. He's he's just like the the whole package. Like, I, I, I didn't realize it until this moment. I'm a Will Shorts fan. I don't even do crosswords all that often. Yeah, the big thing that Shorts did uh, and that he has kind of become known for is is modernizing it some and bringing a more youthful tone to it. Uh, it was kind of seen as like an old person's thing to sit around and do the crossword. Well, that was in large part thanks to Molaska. Oh, for sure. So uh, Shorts comes along and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? And this is something I didn't even know. I didn't know that regular people just write these things out and submit them. Uh, which is an amazing fact if you did not know that. I knew said, that. I knew that. Do you know why? Because a Stuff You Should Know listener does word searches and they submit them. Remember, they did a Stuff You Should Know word search, and I think it was in USA Today. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, Schwartz came along and said, we need a younger voice in here. And so uh, I think only six teenagers previous to Schwartz had ever gotten puzzles published in his 25 years, he has published 37 teenagers uh -huh. and the average age has gone, uh, I think down and he, you know, of course he still has the oldest person at 101 years old, right. but the, the average age of contributor has now come down to, um, has come down 15 years yeah, from, from the early fifties to about the thirties. Right. Right. So that's, I mean, that's, that reflects an enormous change. Like the people who are creating these crossword puzzles are the ones who, um, who actually map out the puzzle, figure out the answers, write the the clues, and the choices they're going to make are going to reflect their age group a lot more. So just by virtue of selecting puzzles that are written by a slightly younger group of people, they're going to be a lot more modern and current and um, more accessible to a larger group of people. Yeah, so they get about 75 to 100 submissions a week. Uh, if you are building your own crossword puzzle, you probably are not using graph paper like they used to do. You're probably using a computer program to help you out. I'll bet some hipsters who hire artisan pencil sharpeners do yeah. graph paper still, yeah. <laughs> They're getting their pencils from David Reese. That's right. So uh, this is pretty interesting to me. When you're making a puzzle, and I guess this kind of makes sense, um, kind of like there's one way to build a boat, you put your theme answers in the grid first, and then you put your little black squares and plot it all out and divide it into your sections. And then you write the clues. Yeah. So you basically reverse engineer the puzzle, starting with the words, then the black spaces, then the clues. I had no idea. I didn't either. I've been I, doing it wrong. I start with the <laughs> black spaces, then the clues, then the words. It rarely works out. Have you ever tried to write one? No. No, I don't, I really don't think so. You know that part of your brain that inserts false memories when you want to answer yes to something? Mm -hmm. That that part of my brain like was just in operation, and I said, no, no brain. You're wrong. You've never tried to do a crossword. You've never tried to make a crossword from scratch. Shut up. Yeah, I, I enjoy crosswords, but I don't seek them out. I'm not an enthusiast. Uh, there was When I was in college, I would do the one from the red and black every day. <laughs> yeah. 
And then when I fly on Delta, I will do the yes. one in the Sky magazine if it's not filled out. Yeah, you me and I um, went on a little kick where we were doing crosswords, and we bought a Chicago Tribune book of crosswords. It was like pretty much up our alley. Supposedly, the New York Times is um, they they it is well known as a very difficult crossword, but that over the span of the week, it actually gets progressively harder, which I didn't know. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. That's one of the few things I knew because I know that the um, – I always thought the Sunday one was the, the coup de grace. Yeah, but apparently too. the Saturday is the most difficult. The Sunday is larger, but it's more like a Wednesday or a Thursday on the easy scale. So I guess that's what I thought was – it was bigger, so it was harder, not that there was just more to it. But, yeah, the Saturday's the hardest and then Monday's the easiest. That's right. And now that they're online, of course, uh, you can subscribe only to the Times Crossword. Mm-hmm. And they have close to a half a million people that subscribe just to the crossword. Yeah. And apparently it's a it's a pretty decent source of income for the paper. The yeah. failing New York Times. Those people pay a million dollars a year for that subscription. That's amazing. It's a lot of dough. <laughs> it is. Way to go, Will Shorts. Way to go. And by the way, if you're into crossword puzzles at all and you haven't seen Wordplay yet, the documentary, go see it. Um, And since I said that, it's short stuff away. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 